This is HPR episode 2396 entitled Information Underground State of Independence. It is hosted by Lost in Bronx and is about 43 minutes long and carries a clean flag. The summary is Deep Geek, Lost in Bronx, and Clark to talk about the state of independent art. This episode of HPR is brought to you by anhonesthost.com. Get 15% discount on all shared hosting with the offer code HPR15. That's HPR15. Better web hosting that's honest and fair at anhonesthost.com. Hi everyone, you're listening to Information Underground. I'm Klaatu, and with me today I have Deep Geek. Hello everyone. And Lost in Bronx. Hi everybody. I wanted to talk today about the state of, of independent art, which uh, last time we did a show, we, we spoke a little bit about that in a way, because of Lost in Bronx sort of question of, has independent art taken over? And so art, I think, is important to to humans. It's a therapeutic thing, it's a cathartic thing, It's it's really kind of one of those things that distinguishes us from really all the other animals that we share the planet with. And so it kind of, it does concern me when art starts to get subjugated by sort of, you know, the the classic big impersonal corporations, uh, when a selection of art gets branded as kind of a premium commodity that's going to going to get promoted and, and sold, which I think implies possibly that the other art that doesn't get selected is somehow less valuable, which if you look at it objectively, is kind of uh, goes against the truth that actually art has essentially no value, or said another way, all art has ultimate potential value given the eye of the beholder, which is really the only way to, to get a true measure of any individual work of art. But art and artists exist in an economy. We are all bound to a certain number of rules for survival, and so I don't see the commodification of art as necessarily a bad thing. I'm not saying that it shouldn't ever happen, um, but I do think that it's i mean and it's even possibly arguable that that the only way that art can be effective is that it gets commodified because i mean part of and i think we were talking about this a little bit in lost in bronx's episode part of the the effectiveness of art is in its sharing you know we want we want to watch art or or experience art and then we want to turn to someone and talk about it like that's part of the that's part of the process and certainly for the artist that's part of the process like you can make art in the privacy of your own home but whether that's actually super satisfying to you uh, uh, before you share it it may or may not be i mean it kind of depends on you but i think generally speaking the point of art is that yes you shared it so corporations do that really well you know they 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 one of the things that corporate sponsorship or 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 adoption of art one of the advantages is that they can they can distribute that art re- really really effectively because they have the money to do that they have they have all these outlets through which they can they can distribute this stuff and when i moved to new zealand i started seeing a lot of local musical acts i mean i i I'd gone to lots of local musical acts back in the U.S., but in New Zealand, I started noticing it more because here in New Zealand, there's, as in many places, there's the predominant sort of white British descendant culture that came through colonization. And then there's the the native culture that, that was here before the British got here. And so I would start seeing lots of local acts, and it was specifically just by chance a lot of Maori artists were were 
were, were the people that I was seeing. And it kind of struck me that these artists that I was seeing, they were local acts and they were playing these small venues and a lot of people didn't really weren't really seeking them out even here in New Zealand and New Zealand is a small country like compared to the US you have no idea it's tiny right i mean New Zealand could fit inside of probably Pennsylvania it's it's not a big place so there there's every opportunity to find out about local artists in your area because it's just two little islands and yet people are are kind of defaulting by and large to US import art you know the stuff coming from the USA, which has no real cultural connection to anything happening in New Zealand. I mean, it's it's completely outside, and yet that is, by and large, the default. And that kind of concerned me. That right there sort of made me wonder about whether the commodification of, of art by corporations that specialize in distribution of art, if that was somehow possibly hurting or uh, affecting the local art scene. So if if part of the process of creating and, and distributing art is actually boosted by by corporate involvement, what's my problem? And and my problem simply is that there's there's no real cultural connection being made between, for instance, mass produced art from the US to, you know, anywhere else, and possibly just even within the US itself. I, I feel like that's kind of possibly threatening a certain amount of cultural identity. And at the end of the day, that's that's really sort of all art is all about. I mean, it's not it's not food, it's not water, it's not shelter, it's not something that we literally depend on. But it is something that I think we 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 need for better health because it is part of our cultural identity. And when we hand that cultural identity over to a corporation or to 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 something that's just tailored for well, exclusively for making money, I feel like we're probably losing a little something. And so I started thinking about this a lot since moving to New Zealand and I kind of I, I kind of started questioning well what is what what are the corporations not good at what what do they have a hard time like what 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 can't they take from us what what can't they do and I realized that one of the things that corporations cannot do effectively like they can they can broadcast a message to a room full of people and and all of those people in that room will hear it that's that's what corporations are really good good at but what they're not good at is getting in down in amongst the people themselves and kind of like getting getting between the people it's like those little connections the spaces between the people that's that's things that corporations just can't they can't do because it won't it doesn't pay off for them so in other words the corporation's kryptonite is inefficiency essentially and while inefficiency seems to kind of be exactly what any artist would not want i think culturally it has a benefit so that that local art stays somewhat local not because it needs to stay local but just be, kind of because inherently it stays local because it's affecting the people in that area and it's speaking to the people in that area and since we are in the age of the internet i don't think that it needs to be a geographic locality i think that it can be sort of like your interest groups your like the things that 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 appeal to you and it still becomes local and it, it simply can't blow up because it it doesn't appeal to enough people and it's not going to become something that can be commodified uh and and distributed on a wide scale because just not enough people actually think that that speaks to them it doesn't speak to them as much as 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 something that they find you know appealing something local to their interest levels one of the ways that i've tried to encourage this uh just for myself and i'd be interested in hearing 
at what you guys, how you guys manage this or if you manage this. But one of the things that I did some time ago was I, I said, okay, I'm not going to listen. To, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take all of my albums, all of my musical albums that I have on my hard drive, and um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sort them literally by, by record label. And and people got horrified when they he- heard that I did this. Like my brother, who is a music major, just thought this was the worst thing in the world. But I I, I sorted them by label. And if it wasn't an independent music label, I would not. I just decided I'm going to put it into this folder and I'm not going to listen to it. And that was like three years ago or four years ago. And I haven't opened that folder in about as long. And the the music that that fell under the independent. Uh, label or you know no label uh, directory just that's what I've been defaulting to and it's it's really worked out for me in fact and and I think one of the things that I have found is that by restricting myself to the independent directory I am encouraged then to seek out more of the same you know it's kind of like well I really like that artist and I see that after about two years of putting stuff out he kind of fell off you know he, he he went to college had to get a real job whatever but but maybe i can find something similar to that somewhere else and and sure enough eventually i do and and the same kind of goes for for movies movies my relationship to movies is a little bit different than my relationship to music so it's not not completely analogous but but i i did kind of segregate off okay well i'm not going to listen to, i'm not going to watch movies over here and i'm going to seek out movies you know on youtube or or wherever and and again the same thing goes with books you know like i'll 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 look on smashwords or i'll look on lulu.com or 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 whatever for 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 stuff to read rather than defaulting to like this this safe bet with like this one sci-fi franchise that i may that i might have otherwise defaulted to uh, and again that's a little bit different because you've got you've got books from like all stages of history so you can't you know at some point it becomes a meaningless sort of delineation but so it's not a scientific process at all but what i've been trying to do with myself is just trying to encourage myself to seek out the independent art out there that has no real connection to the corporate uh marketing machine and i found that it's been really 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 good and it's very very fulfilling and the thing that that has continued to encourage me even more is that the tools that the internet has started providing us have really been really powerful like patreon.com uh, where you can actually fund artists with micropayments essentially for everything that they do and you're directly funding the artist and that kind of that brings it back into an economy which you can feel what however you want to feel about but i think that there's a necessity there people we, we all do exist in an economy so we can encourage the art and it's very direct and again that's not something i don't think that corporates corporations can can deal with that kind of inefficiency like they they couldn't go out and try to find funding for every artist that they want to produce because that's just not that does, it doesn't pay off that way whereas the artist if they reach out to to people who might like them and start getting paid by Patreon or if they successfully kickstart a musical album because there's enough people out there who want to hear whatever they have to offer it's it's like this direct kind of truly democratic economy uh that's been working out really well and that's what i've got for you really that's i think the state of independent art is is pretty pretty great really pretty healthy and i think it's down to direct funding and and better distribution what do you guys think i i think i think you really hit the nail on the head i mean i i, I see people i see things now that are so that, that are fringe enough where they a, a corporation would never you know spend their development budget on it and you can turn around now and go out to the public and say, do you want me to do this? Um, but it's, it's, it's not only a matter of, 
of uh, Indiegogo and Kickstarter and whatnot serving to, you know, fund an album that the artist is going, wants to make, it's also a good way to do a large market survey over what people would like to see produced. There's an efficiency there that a corporation can't access because if you have an idea for a show and you're not sure you're going to do it or an idea for a movie or what have you, and you go to Indiegogo, you can actually say, you know, if I can make this thing live enough to make the Indiegogo thing float, I'll do it, you know, and there's an efficiency there that something doesn't have to be done unless you know it will be well received as opposed to just making your thing out there and sticking out there and and crossing your fingers. And not to be you know, the voice of dissension here, but I don't know what the... Well, first off, Indiegogo is a company. Let's start off by saying that. And others, like um, Patreon is a company. You know, all of these all these things are companies. Yeah. I don't know... And like Kickstarter, Kickstarter is too, right? Kickstarter is a company. And they're not... In other words, they're not projects in the sense of, like, you know, say a an open source project would be. They're actually companies, and they're for-profit. Something like Patreon... Which I have looked into, and I, I've seen, you know, I'm a content creator myself, so I've looked into this. What would happen if, say, Patreon, now I don't know what their corporate structure is, if it is an independently owned company right now, or if it's actually been sold and, you know, as a VC project, if it was sold to a larger company. Um, I'm going to go with the idea that it's independent right now. As, as far I, as I understand, and I'm about three degrees separated from from the the owners of patreon but as far as i know unless unless i'm not being told the whole story yes they are independent okay well i think we can all agree that as soon as they start showing a good profit they will be sold almost certainly okay now if that were to happen now so long as it's independent i will say that probably none of what i'm about to suggest as possible is possible but the moment it gets sold if it gets sold if when it gets sold what would stop a company that owns something like Patreon from looking at the numbers and saying, well, we do get a cut of everything that goes through here, you know, and they do, you know, the Patreon gets a certain percentage of all the money that comes in because they have operating costs and employees and all that. What would stop some bean counter in a company like that from saying, you know, these, you know, the, you know, these uh, independent audiobooks, which is what I produce. These independent audiobooks, they don't make any money. People don't care about those. We're, we're, we're talking nickels and dimes compared to dollars, okay, with, with uh, you know, someone doing a graphic novel that, that's a big hit or someone doing music, musicians especially, doing, you know, th- that's where the real money is. We should start promoting them. And suddenly their front page changes and they start having promoted things up front. Suddenly, so now they're a label. So now they're a label. And no longer is the little guy... You know, yes, their stuff is still there and they can share out those links, you know, to everybody that's out there. But suddenly these guys, we talk, in our last episode, we talked about the concept of curators, that these large guys, you know, like Google or other search engines, they, you know, at some point they were trusting their algorithms to serve up the kind of thing that we're actually looking for. And at some point, some, what would stop a corporation from taking a product like Patreon and turning it into something like that, where now it's no longer really 
what it was. Now it's much more like Amazon. I think that's a distinct possibility. So I'm not saying it's going to happen or that it has happened, but I'm saying the potential is absolutely there. I, I assume, because I guess I'm a cynic, I don't know, but I assume it's going to happen. Um, I think that's kind of the direction of, of all these things. It's like once the corporations see that there is a pool of money to get their hand into, that then that's what they're going to that's they're going to move towards that. But I think, and I, and again, I think that the the part that they can't really, I don't think they're ever going to be able to get to get down. They're they're naturally drawn to things that are that are pooling into a big bucket of money. And I think that the inefficiency of independent art distribution and and promotion is the thing that the the corporation really can't. They cannot. They they don't want to get involved in that side of things. So that they're only going to show come to the party when there's a bunch of money to be made. And so I think as the internet evolves, and I don't know. I, I still think we're. I don't think Patreon's the end game. I, I think, and even Kickstarter. I don't think that's quite the end yet. I think there's going to be at some point. And the Brave uh, web browser, I don't know if you guys have tried it, but they're kind of working towards this, like really micro payments. I think that eventually it's going to get to the point where where you can pay directly to the thing that you want to pay simply by visiting their website or or you know whatever and it's just going to be kind of like you have this fund set up for I'm hoping that you have this fund set up for for contribution to the stuff that you like and and it's going to be super easy for you to to pay directly to that to that target and I'm sure that some corporations going to try to get in between you and that target but but I think I think the internet is moving towards direct direct contribution and i think if that happens then i think a lot of independent artists are going to be sort of empowered unless that becomes a decentralized thing either the the you know the organization of the content that you're that that you're visiting or the internet itself becomes much more decentralized than it is right now there's always going to be a way for for large corporations to gamify something like that they're always yeah. going to be able to 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 you know get between as you say get between you and the artist there's always going to be a middleman for this sort of thing but i wanted to address a, a, another point that you brought up because there's there's this is a huge topic and it's very juicy the idea that a large corporation you're right they will not approach something like the independent artist or an, even an independent art movement until there's money to actually be made. However, there's an awful lot of money to be made in the aggregate of things, right? So, as I say, you know, Patreon might, you know, this this future evil, ver you know, the mirror universe of Patreon where it's evil, looks at the, the small projects and say they're not making enough money. We're not going to promote those. We'll promote the big ones that make a lot of money. That while that is true, I also think they'll never get rid of the little guys because they do, in aggregate, make a lot of money. Amazon is rife; it is packed with indie writers. You know, Amazon is the biggest bookseller in the world, not just in terms of volume, but in terms of dollars and cents. They make more money than any other bookseller on earth, and they are filled with independent artists. Are those artists easy to find? No, because they're not being promoted. And there's your problem. And it's something that I've said as, as a content creator that I've been saying for many years. Your problem is not distribution anymore. Distribution is easy. You're fighting the great silence. You're fighting the noise, right? The, the great silence is when you throw your stuff out there and you get nothing back. That's how I define it. 
but the noise you're lost in the roar you know of all this so the onus comes on the artist to find their audience they actually have to go out and and find the audience themselves they can't just sit on the street corner with a tin cup anymore unless they're literally doing that you know with a guitar sitting on the street corner you know in certain street corners that could be very lucrative but most street corners it is not and most places in the internet if you you know unless you actively participate in a great you know there's there's a certain special sauce you know when it comes to media marketing and suddenly you're no longer you're no longer an artist now you have to be a media guru too or media specialist to find you know to start getting these things unless you happen you know by chance as it always does you know you you happen to get picked up and you you know you become generally popular or popular within a, a particular audience but but to be you know, fair by- to be fair that's how it is that's how it's been for artists most artists 90% of artists that's that's the game anyway like that's always been the game and it's just been that small selection of artists anyway who get promoted you know the beatles and the marilyn monroe's and whoever else like that that's that's them so i don't think that the state of of having to yeah promote your own wares has really changed that much in the old days you couldn't promote your wares there really yeah, yeah. wasn't much you could do you know you you really you, you know especially say if you were a musician if you were lucky you could get local gigs and get an audience and find people but what if your stuff really was experimental it was really out there and you lived someplace where that was simply not popular there was it was just not what people were listening to and you you were never going to get popular there so you did have to move and you had to go where the the quote-unquote scene was yeah. in order to, to to participate in that and of course i don't you know there's still that still exists but i think by and large a lot of that has been mitigated and changed through you know the internet and through a you know networked individuals to the point where if you're producing something that isn't substantially you know different so that it's so bizarre it gets picked you know people notice it immediately um maybe not even for its own merits just because of the novelty of it um if you aren't doing something like that you are still dealing you know it is still competition you're dealing for not necessarily for dollars and cents you know especially if you're an independent artist odds are you're not going to get rich you're not necessarily competing for dollars and cents you're competing for people's attention and and in that regard you you are, you know, when it comes to competing for attention, you are standing right next to major corporations, major media corporations who are, who are doing the exact same thing. They are trying to find an audience. As you say, that isn't much different than it has been at least since the Internet arose. But prior to that, you didn't really even have that sort of standing. You didn't have that ability to try to attract your own audience and understand that the idea of a, a, a an art distribution company art distribution corporations that is an entirely new concept within human history you know i mean that that that's come about in the 20th century that's a good and, point you know I mean, or maybe the late 19th century with sheet music and stuff like that but i mean it was it, it, it is a modern concept the technology has changed a lot of these things but it's still you know it, it can be as deep geek has mentioned in a previous episode it can be very very difficult to find what you're looking for even with all our search engines and even with our you know algorithmic curators um it can be very very hard to find the independent artists that you're looking for and i think 
I think that's our biggest problem. Discoverability is the biggest problem that an indie artist faces. You're, you're absolutely right about the discoverability. Um, you know, it's 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 always you know we we did talk in the, in the prior episode you mentioned about about my newscast and you know I I think I suffer a little bit from what what some people call language sin, language sy- syndrome. Have you heard about this term? No. no. Language syndrome was named after the language that did um, lug radio. And he complained about, I told you the truth about operating systems on podcast. How come you didn't change anything? And it's because the viral nature of it was not expressed. The word didn't go out far and wide enough. It wasn't discovered enough. And I felt the same, I felt the same way. I felt the same way where it's like, what, only 350 listeners? Well, in a lot of ways, you know, again, as I say I'm a content, we're all content creators. We're creating it right now. It isn't necessarily the size of your audience unless you unless you have another goal. Okay, like art for art's sake doesn't have another goal. Right. But uh, as Klaatu says, we we live in the world. You know, commerce is important because you got to pay the bills and you got to eat. But art in and of itself is often it is the end goal to produce the art, to produce the content is the end goal. And what other people do with that is out of the artist's hands. So how an art, how, how the audience sees their art, consumes their art, understands their art, how your listeners, you know, perceived your art and what they did with, you know, or um, with your newscast, what they did with that information, how they perceived it, whether they agreed, disagreed, liked it, passed it on to their friends, whatever. That is entirely out of your hands until you start getting into media and marketing, right? Now, I think that's a very ugly turn of events for an artist, frankly. Now, Klaatu feels that it it actually, it's nothing new and that an artist has always kind of had to sell themselves. And I guess that's true. I guess that's true. Otherwise, the, the starving artist, you know, you get the starving artist. But that the starving artist exists because artists, by and large, don't, either don't want to do that or don't know how to do it or are truly incapable of doing it. And it, that all feeds into discoverability because if they can't sell themselves, you never find out about them. And if they're no good at that, if that's just an area that they do not excel at, I don't feel an artist should be penalized for that. And yet they are simply by the nature of the fact that you will never hear them. You'll never find them because they were no good at selling it. Yeah, you're absolutely on target there. Yeah, I mean, I think... I think you're correct um, about uh, about again discoverability, but also kind of the the responsibility of the artist to to have enough confidence in themselves to to want to promote their own work. And that the truth is that, that doesn't always happen. And I don't know, you know, I don't think that there's really a solution for that. To be honest, it's it's kind of like a personal battle for every artist. But I mean, not every artist needs the audience number, you know. Like like I really don't for my whatever I put out. I generally like my what I don't know what it is, but like my ego does not require a large number of people to to experience that work. I think I'd be I'd be hurt if if zero people experienced something that I put out. I do like to know that someone heard something or saw something, but but generally speaking, I don't go for numbers. But then again, I'm not trying to make a living off of this anymore. So yeah. you know, there's there's kind of like a trade off there, and I know that some people do try to make a living off of this, and that's a that's tough. But I mean, so is any kind of living. You know, like we all have to go to work, we all have to do stuff that we don't want. So it's it's yeah, kind of it's, it's something. It, 
Well, in, in, a, in a way, Claude, too, and people who work, you know, have careers with companies or even working class careers, at some point they have to ask for a job. They have to know how to do that. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, well, by the way, that wasn't an ego thing, my my, my, my thirst for numbers, but it was because I, I want to bring about some, I had a feeling of wanting to bring about some kind of change in the world, as did Stuart Language did but with you know what? Radio. DB, like, I think, I think what Lost in Bronx was probably saying or unless i imposed this but i mean like you don't know the 350 listeners that you had at one point you don't know whether something you some story that you brought to light utterly changed their life forever you know like we don't know how our how our art or whatever how our output affects people so you may have had like a, a huge impact on a small number of people but i would have to argue because i've been one of the people who have been impacted by small output you know like well hacker public radio as we're all saying like i mean huge changes in my life has come from from stuff that probably me and like you know yeah 350 or 10 other people have even heard and (laughs) but that doesn't make it less important to me the recipient yeah you got a good point there you know you bring up hacker public radio itself the 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 media we're we're using to get this to get this out And, and that always reminded me of of at one point um painters used to group themselves into schools like the Hudson Valley School or they used to like you know make groups out of themselves in order to, to cross promote each other and in a way I think Hacker Public Radio as a network of podcast producers has that kind of a function that and that's true and and they did that because of course painters and other artists in or, you know probably earlier times or maybe even concurrent with this concept they had patrons many of, many of them had very wealthy either you know merchants or or royalty or what have you that would do nothing but pay these people to create art and of course that went away with the dinosaur you know that that you know that that doesn't really exist to any great extent anymore and of course today that would be corporations that do this or occasionally funding grants and things like that and some schools will have an artist in residence of some sort but that, i mean those are i mean very very rare but so is patronage as a whole in the past it was always pretty rare and finding individual patrons now is where the content creator has their challenge find their audience essentially is what the issue is and you know Clatu mentioned that you know again if you intend to try to make this your living you have a very tough path to travel you you have a very difficult thing to do and you will end up inevitably if you want to make a living with your content you will inevitably either have to i mean i guess it's a matter of perspective and and you know just the way you want to define a thing but you'll either have to a learn some new skills that you didn't expect you'd have to or alternatively you'll have to learn to do something you really really don't want to do and you'll have to do it anyway well you know, if you're in the, I've said this many times, you know, I, if I wanted to, you know, sell a lot of books or sell a lot of audiobooks or something like that, I, there's tons of con, there, there are certain types of content that always sell and they sell well, right? But they're not what I want to do. So if that's what I have to produce, if that's the sort of thing I have to produce in order to sell, in order to be an independent content producer then i may as well just be flipping burgers at mcdonald's because i'm not going to be doing what i want to do anyway and if if that's the choice that the content creator you know has then they really cannot make a living at what they're doing and what they're doing will be an avocation it will never be their profession which makes it no less valid 
It it makes it no less valid, but there are suddenly some major constraints that come yeah. along with that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. they the um the the amount of content that they can produce will naturally be less, and possibly the quality will be less because they maybe they can't afford the right equipment or they or the training or you know they they. Or maybe they won't simply have enough time to perfect their craft, whatever it happens to be. In other words, you might have someone who's very, very good at what they do, but they will never reach their peak. They will never reach their peak and maybe never really find their audience. They, they, may, ne you know, they may be producing quality stuff that you know, could possibly, maybe it'll never be huge, but it could possibly change someone's life. And they will never hear it because it is lost in that noise. They they cannot be discovered. They're not found. I think anybody, if it's a if it's a corporation or an individual, anybody that can crack that nut, that can give the you know a content creator the the ability to market themselves without becoming a market specialist, I think that will change content creation more than anything else that will change independent art forever in my opinion that would be fantastic i'd never really thought about that angle but yeah honestly like you know dp did a news show how the most that i can do is post on some social media site if you're looking for news you've never heard but you should be hearing listen to this show I'm going to be get you know who the hell would care no that that has no contact and and trying to get across what we know emotionally and intellectually that this is good for some of you people out there this is going to be a really good fit for you but how do you get that across to those people you know because I can say what I just said and it will have no meaning on those people I because if someone put that in my streams whatever social media I happen to be on if they put that in my stream I won't even finish reading the posting i'll just go to the next one it is it's meaningless to me and you see it might be meaningless to you but it, it, it would not be meaningless to other people if if you were on facebook lost in bronx presumably i would be you and i would be facebook friends you posted a, a positive status on a piece of media i would be fascinated i would hunt it down if i thought it pertained to me and i would try it out and that would be based on the strength of our friendship well that's that's all well and good but understand that the people on this show right now are kind of biased towards each other's content because we're friends we're friends because we like what the other person does right i sought out you guys because i had heard you guys you know, on HPR and other places, and I sought your your friendship out because I liked what I was hearing. These were guys that were saying things that mattered that I thought was important. And then I got to know you, and I liked you guys, right? And, you know, that's all well and good. That's all well and good. But most, the vast majority of people that may be following me on on social media, they don't really know me from Adam. Some of them might know that I produce content. Most of them probably don't. So uh, Many of them... It's an auto-follow. I follow them, and bank, they follow me, but they have no idea who I am. I tell them I like this particular, you know, podcast that's producing, you know, um, news content that they almost certainly haven't heard. They, they don't care. You know, it's noise. It's all noise. You know, there's so much of it out there. It's so difficult for the independent content producer. I'm using that term instead of artist because it's it's a little, you know, it's yeah, it's a broader. little yeah. broader. Yeah, it's a little broader. Um the independent content producer is fighting 
all of this noise. And we got these giant corporate machines standing right next to us produce, you know, and they got very big megaphones and they're producing an awful lot of noise, an awful lot of noise. But there's also a legion of other independents also standing on the other shoulder, making as much noise as they possibly can to find their audience. And it's the people that are very good at this are the ones that get found. Occasionally, yes, there are some people that just got lucky. They caught lightning in a bottle. They got picked up generally by what they call influencers. That is to say someone very popular already says, oh, check this thing out. And then, you know, it's like being, it's like having the king come down and say, I give this my okay. I, I touch them on the shoulder. They have my blessing. You can check them out now. That sort of crap. I think that crap has got to go the way of the dinosaur. I think it's got to go away because I don't think it's, you know, there's, there are voices so lost. We will never hear them. And they might be the best thing. They might change my life. There might be somebody out there whose content is so meaningful to me. It will change the course of my life. I will never meet them. Even in this era where we supposedly all have an equal voice on the internet, I will never hear these people because of all that noise. To me, that's where the challenge for independent art lies. I I 100% agree with you, but I I think that the the key at least in my mind and I could be making this up, but I, the key is not to try to out to out megaphone the corporations. It's it's it the key is to make the personal connections and to start the little mesh network and and get the word through the mesh rather than through the broadcast. That's that's the key. And it's not efficient. But I think that's the the strength of the method is that it's not efficient. Yeah. That that's where I like something like Facebook. Now I, I don't know what particular social media platform you're talking about. I assume it's not Facebook, Lost and Rocks. But I'm very careful with, with I don't do the auto follow thing. I don't I don't let anyone just follow me either. I I'm, I choose people who have a meaning to me. Either they worked with me, or I know them through 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 a fraternity, or I, I know them through some other way. Or I, I went to school with them at some point, something. And then I get to see just what these people that presumably I have something in common with are talking about. And that's the goal. And even then sometimes talk about noise. Some people are noise. Some people are just repeating what, I don't know, the Democrat or the Republican Party are saying. And, you know, I, I, I eventually mute them. I eventually or, or deafen them, whatever you call it. You know what I mean. Yeah, I do. And... What you're describing is an ideal way for social media to work. I have that has not been my experience. You know, that has not been my experience, mostly because I don't really want to talk to people. This is a personal problem I might have, and I have it in real life, too. I don't really want to talk to them. I want to hear what they have to say. But I don't necessarily want to talk to them. And the only time I really have anything to post is when I've produced a new piece of content. No, that's advertisement. When I post that, it's just advertisement. No one wants that either. So it's a it's a difficult, you know, thing for me personally. But that's not really the point I'm trying to make, you know, because there are many, many people who, first off, it's been shown, at least for independent writing, they found that there's no real correlation to having a large social media presence with an awful lot of followers and actually that doesn't necessarily directly translate into sales so there's an argument to be made that a large social platform is not a good basis for an independent content creator probably exactly what Clatu said you have to find the correct community either it, it you either have to find it or you have to create it around your around your content 
And and that is the only way you're going to find true fans, if you want to put it that way, true patrons of your art. That is not an easy thing to do because, again, not everybody is good at that. I am very bad at social media. And there are people that are also very bad, not because they're like me, but, but because maybe they're like, as, as um, Deep Geek said, they, they make a lot of noise. All they do is shout and make a lot of noise. You know, maybe they are producing content that would could find a good audience, but they're making too much noise and they, you know, people mute them. People don't listen to them. No one takes them seriously. In other words, they're very bad at it, just like I am in a different way. But just like I am, they're very bad at it and they're not finding their audience, you know, even though they may have one, whatever content they're producing. They may ha there may be an audience for these guys, but they can't use the tools that are that are out there right now. I guess ultimately, honestly. This is probably a really roundabout way of saying that I don't think there is a level playing field. I don't think the tools are very good for everybody anyway. I, I think the tools are really good for some people. They work really well for some people. They work increasingly better and better for major corporations. But I, I still think that the the indie artist is still lost. They're still alone by and large. You know, I, I think... It's very hard for many, many indie artists, indie content producers to find their audience. I won't argue with that. So I guess to sum up, here's a little story that actually stars Lost in Bronx. Um, I'm going to paraphrase heavily because this happened a long time ago. But I, I was interviewing Lost in Bronx for my show, GNU World Order, found at GNUWorldOrder.info. And... And as part of my intro to to Lost in Bronx, I think I, I I was saying, you know, well everyone knows Lost in Bronx, and and now I'm going to talk to him. And Lost in Bronx said, Klaatu, nobody knows who I am. Like we're we are existing in a tiny tiny little niche, and nobody knows who I am. And and that to me, but no, but everybody that I am talking to right now knows who Lost in Bronx is. And to me, that meant that everyone knew knew who Lost in Bronx was. And I think there's there's that's the key right there is that there are little bubbles and there's the audience within that bubble and to some degree we can all kind of be stars within our little bubble it's it's a lot like when you go to a linux convention and you meet someone off in the corner who's trying to fade into the wallpaper and you go and talk to them and you guys are getting along and it's kind of cool and then you discover that that person is the person who wrote that one application that you use all day, every day. These these moments of artistic genius in whatever form it takes, and to you that makes all the difference in the world. So these bubbles may be a variable size, but they're super, super important. They're important to individuals, they're important to communities, and and I think it's part of our sort of duty as as cultural beings to promote the stuff that we find, like, you know, so that Deep Geek can find cool new stuff. We should tell other people about the cool new thing that we found and promote local and independent art that we like, because I think that's spreading a healthy culture, a healthy human culture. <laughs> You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. 
If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website, or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.